All Business and Financial Radio Network, Voice America Business. Good morning, and thank you for joining host Cheryl Esposito for an intriguing hour of Leading Conversations. Each week, Cheryl brings together big thinkers to the Voice America Business Channel. Now here's your host, Cheryl Esposito. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Leading Conversations. This is Cheryl Esposito. Today we have a special guest, Barry Bergman, Confessions of a Rock and Roll CEO. Barry's going to share with us some of his stories about how he came up as a leader through the ranks and learned how to run a company pretty much on his own and um, some of the lessons that have stuck with him over the years and, and served him well. Barry has had um, several other companies, and one of them being Bear Essentials, which is a cosmetic company, um, which he grew, he and his business partner grew to a very large number and um, ultimately sold it. And, um, you know, it's a great story. Barry, welcome this morning. Thank you, Cheryl. Glad to have you here. Nice to be here. Yeah. So where are you today? I'm in Santa Barbara, California, where the weather is gorgeous, oh. as always. As always, yes, yeah. yes. It's a beautiful place in the world. Now, well, but you're not from California, are you? I'm from North Carolina originally, Durham, North Carolina, where, where Duke University is, and that's where I went to school. I oh. grew up there and went to school there. Oh, so you must be a basketball team fan. Yes, and I was down in the Final Four last week as uh, cheering for the University of North Carolina, which was sort of a sad weekend for us because being in San Antonio. <laughs> well, you know, you still have to have loyalty, right? Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I went to Duke, but I'm a Carolina fan. I know okay. that's very strange. But no, yeah. Well, you know, it, you got to do what you got to do. <laughs> so today, you know, we titled this Confessions of a Rock and Roll CEO because you have a background um, in the music industry. And let's talk a bit about how you got started in the music industry and kind of the the environment that you were playing in when you started. Well, uh, I um, started working in a record store for my uncle when I was, I don't know, 13, 14 years old. And uh, I knew pretty quickly that that was what I wanted to do uh, for my life's work. I just loved the business. And I always thought I would go to, uh, to New York and work for a record manufacturing company, but I ended up uh, in the retail business. My, my wife and I opened a retail store in Chapel Hill in 1963, and um, we uh, we started uh, expanding. My parents owned a store in Durham, where Duke was, uh-huh. and uh, in Chapel Hill is where the University of North Carolina is. That's where we opened our store. And uh, we started expanding in 1968, and uh, my parents got out uh, a few years after that. And we ended up with 180 uh, record stores all over the country. Wow! So we it was it was learn while you earn. I mean, I was uh, I was a history major in college. I didn't have any business background, particularly except the stuff my father had taught me. And um, it, it was a fascinating experience. I never did it to to make any money. Uh, we we just it, it was so much fun, and the music business was so much fun. Uh, and it, I always liked the action. I, I just so I, I learned how over a long period of time to 
to um, to, to go from running a record store to running a fairly large or a medium sized business. Yeah, and yeah. Um, and try how to how to manage people. Well, and at the time, um, a lot of the musicians that um, were up and coming, you were connected to in a lot of ways. You know, how did that work back then? Well, it was always a small business, and uh, the musicians, uh, they realized that the easiest way to get their their stuff exposed, other than being, being on the radio, was to have people in record stores like their uh. Uh, like their music and, and suggest it to people. So um, they they gravitated towards uh, retail record chains. And since that was why I was in the business anyway, because I love the music, to be involved with artists was just, just a wonderful thing. It's very exciting to me. So so it worked, worked both ways. You know, um, I, I read a little bit that you were involved with um, celebrities like Lyle Lovett and Larry Gatlin and Jimmy Buffett and Harry Chapin. I mean, you know, that, that time, it's almost like... Um, those musicians were really on an edge of something new. You know, it, it, it feels to me anyway like you know there was a big shift happening in music around that time. Is that true? Well, you, all the people you talked about were singer songwriters, uh-huh. and that's that's the people I gravitate towards because mm. they're all poets basically, and they're mm. they're just fascinating people, uh, wonderful, uh, wonderful. Uh, Ways to express what they're what they're thinking about, and we we got a chance to uh, to see music change and become part of the lifestyle of most Americans uh, because it, it, we started in '63 and '64, the Beatles broke, right. and that changed everything about our business. Right. We had Elvis before that, but when the Beatles uh, happened, the, then everybody had to be a part of the music. Everybody had to be a part of the music. And the music had to be part of everybody, and that's what brought on the '60s. We had a we had a first row seat for for the '60s in Chapel Hill because that was one of the places that a lot of the ferment took place. Oh wow! Um, yeah, so it was it was really fascinating, and the music was so much a part of that. Yeah. So we got to to know a lot of the artists who were involved. It, it was really it was a fascinating time. Well. You know, I'm tempted to ask you who was your favorite, but I know that that would get you in trouble. Well, <laughs> I've got a few favorites, but if I had to pick, pick one, it would probably be Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. Oh, yeah? Bruce. Yeah. yeah, Bruce Springsteen, huh? Yeah. And what would make him your favorite? He's, uh, if you've ever seen him live, yeah. it's it's absolutely magical. Oh. He, he comes out and does three or four hours live, and it's uh, it's a religious experience. It's just amazing. And his his music on record is wonderful, but it doesn't doesn't give you any uh, idea of what the experience is of seeing him. And the uh, the Stones would be another f- huge favorite of mine, right? And uh, and certainly James Brown. Ah, now there is a legend. Yes, yeah, we were uh, we were fortunate enough to get to know him. Oh, he wow. was a character. <laughs> uh, he was really something. We at the the time um, we were in the music business. Uh, early on there, uh, North Carolina had a law that you couldn't integrate a dance floor. So oh, they used to have these boy. big dances in Durham where um, where I lived. And they would they would bring these artists in. There was a, a circuit called a Chitlin Circuit in the South. And all the great 
uh, black artists like James Brown and Chuck Berry. That's Domino. They all played there. So uh, my wife and I used to go to these dances, and they would have a white balcony. It was the oh, most amazing thing. Boy. There would be 2,000 black people dancing on the on the floor, and they would have 10 or 15 white kids <laughs> up top. So, so since uh, my uncle in the record store in town, and we... Um, we sold tickets for the uh, for the dances. Mm-hmm. We, we I used to get backstage, and oh, so I got yeah. to meet all these people. Oh, so I got great. to meet James. We 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 were standing outside a, a dance one time, and the promoter was trying to get up enough money so he could pay James because James Brown would not go on stage until he got all his money in cash. <laughs> so He's a so smart the promoters, <laughs> yeah, the promoter said, "Would you like to meet James Brown?" So I, we said, sure. So he brought James out, and we talked to him for a while. And finally, they started to get enough money. And James uh, said, are you going to the dance? And we said, sure. And uh, he said, and he didn't know we had tickets. But So he, he, he said to the person at the door, he took out the biggest wad of money I've ever, had, ever seen in my life, peeled off two $100 bills, gave it to the woman at the door, and said, here, let my friends in. Oh my God! It's one of the all-time great gestures. You know? Oh wow! So James had me after that. Yeah, yeah, I bet he has heart, huh? Or had yeah, heart? Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah he was great. wonderful. Well, what would you think? I mean, if you think back to the time that you were there, um, you know, it must have been, in some ways, you know, as a young man, there, there must have been this sense of wide-eyed wonder. You know, like, wow, am I really here? Did were you experiencing that? My wife and I, my wife Arlene and I used to get in these situations where we'd meet these people or we'd be at these these functions and we'd go, can you believe this is happening to us? Because <laughs> <laughs> we were just kids from small town North Carolina. Yeah. And uh, it, it, was an, it was an amazing ride. It was really wonderful. Oh, yeah. Very special. Well, and I, I bet that that sense of being curious about the world and not taking that for granted really... Um, Fed you as you built your business, and really um, probably drew people to you because they're in that. There's no arrogance. Well, yeah, and, and we were very fortunate early on. We were doing business in this triangle area of North Carolina that everybody knows about now, but they didn't then. Oh. Raleigh, Durham, Chapel Hill, where they where there were these three major universities, but there wasn't a heck of a lot to do there. Right, um, right. There, there were tobacco was there. And everybody said, what's going to happen when tobacco leaves? Because we all thought they would eventually. Hmm. And we figured the place would dry up and blow away. Well, high tech came, came and took over, but we didn't know that. And so we were, our company was one of the few places that people could get out of school and stay around and work for and have some sort of career path. Hmm. So we had the opportunity to hire just wonderful people who nor- normally we couldn't have paid them enough to stay. But they wanted to live in that area because it was such a great place to live. Oh, wow. And uh, so it really helped us build a company. Well, and the company, the name of the company was Record Bar. Correct. And um, it went on to have huge growth. And um, and we had, uh, we, called, we called some of our stores later Tracks, and then we had stores on the West Coast called Licorice Pizza. Oh, Licorice Pizza. Now, see, yeah. I grew up in the West Coast, and so I know We owned that chain pizza. for a while. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, so let's see. I'm telling my age here. <laughs> I remember licorice pizza. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, and, you know, and, and for me, having grown up in the Bay Area, which was um, a hotbed of the music industry, too, um, you know, I was a little bit more into the, um, I would think, a uh, little bit of the rock and roll um, type, you know, the Fleetwood Macs, et cetera, were all being developed here. And, um, you know, it, it, I see that on both coasts, on the East Coast and the West Coast, it seemed like that's where the music was really happening. And um, I'm curious to know more about how you saw the industry shift and develop, you know, as it grew, and um, how place matters around that. And we're going to talk more about that uh, when we come back right after this break. All we talk about is money. Call us toll-free, 866-472-5790, and talk to the experts. We talk money all the time. Voice America Business. Leadership is not static. It evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. That's www.alexasaconsulting.com. Alexa Consulting, developing leaders worldwide. More and more business people recognize the importance of spirituality in their work. How do busy professionals discover what rings true for them? Embracing the journey with Karen Humphrey Salad explores what it means to be spiritually fulfilled in business and how to integrate spiritual direction into a career. Expert guests, authors, and inspiring speakers join Karen every week to discuss such issues as honesty, compassion, generosity, ethics, and integrity in the workplace. Take a positive step forward to greater life balance. Tune into Embracing the Journey with Karen Humphrey Salad, broadcasting every Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel, the bottom line in business talk. Money, money, up to date business and financial news. Money, money, calm now and get the financial information you need. 866 472 5790. 866 472 5790. Voice America Business. We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl. And welcome back this morning. We're speaking with Barry Bergman, Confessions of a Rock and Roll CEO. Very before we went to break, we were talking a little bit about the music industry and how you were um, a child of the music industry and helped to shape some of it. Now, you know, the West Coast and the East Coast of the U.S. Um, certainly influenced um, how music developed in the 60s and 70s, and I dare say that still happens today. Um, what do you think it is about um, the coasts and the people on the coast that influences the music industry so much? Well, I- one thing that I learned is that music happens everywhere. It, it happened on the coast, and it happened in the middle of the country. And you know, and you had grunge bands developed in Seattle. Yeah. And you had what, what happened in San Francisco—that incredible explosion in the '60s. 
And in Chapel Hill, we even had James Taylor. He's from, mm. he's from mm-hmm. Chapel Hill. Um, and th- there, there was, there's music everywhere. Mm-hmm. And it, and it was, and it tends to be regionalized because like the doo-wop sound that came out yeah. of New York and, uh, the, uh, Gloria Stefan and that kind of music that came mm-hmm. from Miami. It, 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 it tends to be the kind of music that, that develops where, you know, the different kinds of people live. And, uh, so, so you can find it everywhere. It's fascinating, and you can't just say that that music only comes from one place. Right, right. So you must have had a lot of experiences with um, musicians that are memorable. Can you think of a couple that you'd like to share? Well, yeah, we've gotten to to meet so many, so many wonderful people. The two that that stand out for me was uh, we were in London. Um, in the early '70s, and I got to meet George Harrison, and that that was really oh. something. Because I remember we we took a picture with him, and um, and, and thinking at the time, if it's not for this guy, I'm not here. I I got no business. You know, this this guy and his his band made so much of what happened in our lives. Oh yeah. Did. The other the other one that really stands out is that. Uh, we we got to meet and spend some time with Roy Rogers and Dale Evans one time. Roy had made an album, and and he Roy was my um, my hero growing really? up. Really, and to meet meet him was was just wonderful, mm-hmm. very special. But we've had so many experiences like that of meeting people, and we got to go to the White House a bunch of times um, when Jimmy Carter was was in office because oh, really? he was very involved in the music business. And, and those those kinds of experiences, which just wouldn't have happened to us if we hadn't been in the music mm. business. So, how is it that how is it you got to the White House? What was going on that got you there? Uh, Phil Walden, who owned Capricorn Records, was a close friend of ours, and he oh. he uh, Capricorn was from Macon, Georgia, and uh, he helped Jimmy Carter get elected. His bands, the Allman Brothers, Marshall Tucker, they played. Um, gigs for Jimmy Carter and raise money when oh, Carter didn't have any money. Right. So Phil was sort of uh, important to Carter, and through him, Carter felt like he owed a debt to the music business. So when he was in office, he there were a number of events that uh, we got to go to, which was really it was fun and and. Uh, I don't care what your politics are. Walking right. in the front door of the White House is a very special experience. Yeah, I bet. I bet. Oh, that's amazing. And who knew Jimmy Carter was involved in the music, you know, was was interested in the music business at that level, you know. I mean, you hear about um, when Clinton was in office, it was very well publicized and very well connected to the music industry. But um, I don't know how many people actually knew that about Jimmy Carter. Yeah, oh, yeah. And he was very – I mean, I can remember uh, – being, being at the White House and hearing Willie Nelson there, because Carter was a big Willie Nelson fan. Oh, cool. There there were many, many musical events with lots of artists. It was a great time for the music business. Oh, that's great. Well, now you must have, um, it seems like you are an observer of the human spirit, and I'm curious to know what lessons you may have learned from the musicians that you encountered. Well, the, the biggest one is uh, I have to quote quote Mister Mister Jagger and Mister Richards here. Mm-hmm. And it's only rock and roll, but I like it. 
<laughs> it, it, uh, it, it, you can't get too serious about this stuff, and that's mm. that's what we used to try to to get our employees to to think about when we mm. were um, running our, running the record company. Was it, it it just it was only rock and roll. It was don't be so serious. Yeah, just have fun. Yeah. and we had just a great company to work for. We had a big time. We had we never lost a party. It was a. Uh, and and that's that's why we tried to, to run our stores. Right. So it felt good to to work there, and it felt good for for consumers. It was a pleasurable experience to come into one of our stores. It was wow. supposed to be fun. It is supposed to be fun, and um, yeah, I, I'm always surprised when I go into a retail experience, and um, people seem like they are like they have no energy or they seem like they have no investment in whether I buy something or don't buy something. And I think, what is going on here, you know? How did you make sure that it wasn't like that? Well, we, one of the things we used to tell our employees is, look, you got to be here all day anyway. And it's, <laughs> it, it, <laughs> so if you're nice to customers, they'll be nice back to you, and yeah, you'll, yeah. Enjoy, you'll enjoy your day a lot more. Mm-hmm. So try it that way. Wow. And simple, you, you right? know, yeah. If you if you if what you put out, you get back. Mm. And uh, so our our stores were were fun places to shop, and uh, there was a lot of because I had learned that when I worked in the store. I worked right. there for a long time. Right, right. So you really came up through the ranks. I mean, you you started out as you said earlier, working in your dad's store, and and you were probably you know doing everything in the store, right? You know, sweeping up and. Yeah, and when I became a manager, that was one of the first things I learned. I I, um, I figured out that if I could get other people to sweep up at the end of the day, I didn't have to do that or all the other uh, chores that I don't want to do. So <laughs> I became an ace delegator pretty quickly, <laughs> which put me in – as a, as a manager later on and then as a CEO, I learned that I couldn't do all this stuff yeah, myself. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I needed to get – uh, other people to do it, and then I needed to get good people to do it. Right. Well, and they needed to like doing it, right? Yeah, well, that was the general idea. Right. So if we could make the, the uh, employment, if, if we could make the work experience fun, mm-hmm. uh, our people, they, they prospered in, in the environment, and they stayed, and they, uh, and, and, you know, it worked for everybody, and, right. and, and, it, it, and the customers could feel it, too. They could right. feel it in the stores. Well, now, as you were growing into such a large organization, um, I imagine that you had not only store employees, but then you had um, more of the uh, administrative executive group that, you know, didn't hang out in the stores every day. Um, How did you infuse that culture into that specific group of people? Well, one of the things in our office is if if you walked around our office, Everybody was playing music. Yeah, it was a music company. Yeah, yeah. So, and and there were lots of posters on the wall, and there was all kinds of activity and energy in our office. Yeah. So it reflected the business we were in. Right. It was right. a really fun place to work. Wow. And um, and we also tried tried real hard to set up an environment that it. Typically in retail companies, it's the stores versus the office and the warehouse. Right. Well, we didn't want to do that. We didn't want to have that. We we worked real hard to say to our our people in the office and the 
the warehouse, that the stores were our customers. Mm-hmm. And customer service was mm-hmm. what our company was mm-hmm. about. So their their way of customer service was servicing our stores. Right. We, we worked real hard on that. Right, right. And, you know, that was, when was that? That was about um, the 70s? Was yeah, that well, we sold the company uh, in 1989, so okay. we went through that. Okay, so you were, you know, I mean, customer service was being acknowledged as, you know, a, um, an advantage, a strategic advantage for organizations at the time. But, you know, not a lot of organizations knew what to do with that. <clears throat> so it sounds like you were really um, kind of on the cutting edge. Well, we, uh, we had the same music to sell as everybody else. Right. We had... They were about the same prices. If you wanted to compete compete on prices, the record business had very low markups. Mm-hmm. Our cost of goods was sixty two percent, so you wow. couldn't very well compete on price right. I mean, unless you were stupid. So <laughs> the, the place to compete on was customer service, right. location, right. and customer service. Right. We were in malls, and that that was where we tried to differentiate ourselves from other companies. Huh. And so by the time it was time to sell, um, were you ready to sell? Uh, no. I loved going to work. I, I enjoyed what I was doing. Yeah. Um, but we, it, there was activity, uh, mergers and acquisitions activity in the, in the music business. For some reason, people decided they needed to be in the music business. You know, there was this, uh, this glow that came, came from the business. Mm-hmm. And, and we got uh, an offer we literally couldn't refuse. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, there must have been a lot of uh, people crying that day. Yeah, there were, and I, I, and I was among them. However, yeah, yeah. I got to be rich, too. So it wasn't <laughs> the worst thing in the world. That's right. It worked out for you. Yeah. <laughs> well, now, before you um, sold, though, did you go through a time period where you were um, a little less hands-on as a leader? Yeah, uh, I had a, a few years before got bored and uh, stepped back and, and hired uh, a psychologist to uh, be a CEO, which was really a stupid thing to do. <laughs> I mean, it was, when I think back, it was a, I thought I looked at our company sort of as a social laboratory. Oh, we, yeah, we were doing all kinds of strange things, and uh, so so that that turned into a disaster. And oh we, dear, we we did not do well for a while. And I had to come back in riding on my white charger to save the company. <laughs> and people but I was were the screwed it up in the first place. So. <laughs> oh, you take responsibility for that. Well, that's both good. ways. Yeah, both that's, ways. That's good. Yeah, it's a good good leadership move there. Um, and and you know, not specifically to to you know rank on this guy, but what was happening in general that wasn't working? We, we got into several businesses that we had no business being in. Oh. They weren't our core business. Okay. We, we got into the, re, uh, the wholesale uh, distribution of um, videotape, oh. of, uh, you know, of movies. And, and that was a receivables business. We'd never been in the receivables business. We got, we got huge receivables. We, we, we just were not concentrating on our core business, huh. which was running record stores and malls. Right. And that's right. what we did well. And right. as soon as we got out of all these other businesses and started doing that again, then we did we did very very well again. Huh. We started to grow. It was it was very quick. All, all we all we had to do is restore confidence in our people that we were going to be in business next right. week. 
Right. And we put we we had done some really stupid things by cutting inventories. And uh, you know, you cut inventories, and son of a gun, the sales went down. So we cut inventories again, and son of a gun, the sales went down. Back to those kinds of things. Hey, go figure. Yeah, go figure. Huh? Well, we've got more to learn from Barry Birdman. We'll be right back. Talk about his money. Call us toll free 866-472-5790 and talk to the experts. We talk money all the time. Voice America Business. Leadership is not static. It evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. That's www.alexasaconsulting.com. Alexa Consulting, developing leaders worldwide. Hey, Dad. What? I can't get the ketchup bottle open. Here, let me try. There you go. Thanks. You don't have to be a hero to be a hero. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To learn more, call 1-888-200-4005. A public service announcement brought to you by Adopt US Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. The economy and financial markets continue to expand in both their size and complexity. But being able to anticipate changes in the markets for housing, jobs, and financial assets remains a crucial ingredient to our financial well-being. On the economy and the markets, with economist, investment strategist, portfolio manager, and host, Doug Cliggett, utilizes his 25 years of experience with that of his highly informed guests to provide clear, reasoned explanations of current events. To navigate the markets that influence our lives every day of the week, tune into The Economy and the Market with Doug Cliggett, broadcasting each Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. The economy and the markets. Clear thoughts in a complex world. Stocks, bonds, 401ks, investments, refinancing. We can help you. Call now toll-free 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business. We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl. Welcome back, everybody, to Leading Conversations. This is Cheryl Esposito. We're speaking with Barry Bergman. Barry, uh, before we went to break, you were talking about um, the journey you took along the the music industry, and then you, uh, after selling the company, after selling Record Bar, and some of the other um, organizations that were part of that, you um, you didn't do much for a while. Did you Did you take some time off? Uh, I had a uh, I had a, I ran a record company. Um, a manufacturing company for the people who bought us for about a year, oh. which uh, went went nowhere because they they took away my funding after a year. Oh, well. They they got into trouble, okay. and um, so so um, I didn't do anything. I had an office, but I didn't really do much for yeah. a couple a 
couple of years. Yeah, yeah. And, and so then you um, you met a partner. Now, John Hansen was he a, was he a business partner in the past? Uh, yeah, I had done business with John. He had worked for General Atlantic, an investment company that had a um, investment in in Record Bar. Okay. And um, knew him. Okay, so you guys decided to um, partner up and have some business investments, and one of those was a company called Bear Essentials. And this this now takes you from the music industry into um, the cosmetic industry, which I guess you could say they're somewhat connected, kind of maybe, but <laughs> not really. You know, what drew you to uh, a company in the cosmetic industry? Well, John found the company. And uh, I immediately, when he when he showed it to me, I really liked it because the, the cosmetics company has about as high a markup as you can find. Mm. It was uh, it, essentials. The last time I I looked, the cost of goods were about twenty eight percent. Wow! And from from a cost of goods of sixty two percent in the record business, so right. I liked that business quickly. Yeah. And uh, it, John found the company when they uh, they were in a bankruptcy. Oh. Uh, they had four stores in a bankruptcy, uh-huh. so we bought it, bought the uh, company out of the bankruptcy, closed two stores, and and started to started to expand it. Well, and so you bought it to turn it around. And, yeah. And, and yeah. what what about that company? Um, besides the fact that you know the cost of goods was you know a good price point, um, what about it made you think that you could do something and take this big? Well, I've got a general idea how to sell things. Mm-hmm. And uh, and John just thought he could expand it, and he wanted to do something entrepreneurial. Okay. So, um, okay. Um, and it, it's it's an interesting business. It was for, sort of a knockoff of the body shop. It's oh, right. It's the company. Right. So, uh, and that was a pretty good idea. No animal testing, no mm-hmm. uh, no chemicals. Right, right. Product. It was a good product. Yeah, and uh, we just thought it, it, the company had been managed very well, but it had a good idea. Oh, okay. And it's still a good product today. You it's know? wonderful. It's, it's a wonderful it, product. It has the endured. Doing very well. Yeah, yeah. And so, what was your role in that? Were you um, simply an investor? Were you? How, what was your leadership role in that? Well, I was going to be a passive investor, but but uh, from the from early on, I was in, involved because John hadn't really been in, in retail, and I knew retail. Oh, yeah. So, uh, so we worked together very, very well, mm-hmm. and I was sort of his uh, his consultant, and uh, we we talked a lot. and And I like organizations, and we were trying to build an organization. Yeah. And I I worked a lot uh, trying to trying to help John do that too. And so, how did you get to the strategy? Taking this even bigger, um, where you had a huge public presence, we um, we were sort of rocking along. We had been doing it for about seven years. We were we had about a store, maybe twenty two stores, something like that. And um, we decided we needed a merchandiser, uh, and we hired uh, a woman who had been a brand manager from Neutrogena. Her name is Leslie Blodgett, mm. and we got real smart overnight. <laughs> we, we, she, she, uh, uh, John, John later left to uh, go be a CEO of a public company, and when he did that, um, Leslie took over running the company, oh. and uh, she 
she had grown up in in the cosmetics business. She uh-huh. had worked behind the counter at Bloomies uh, on Long Island, and uh-huh. she just she just has a sensibility. Right. Or she understands why women want to buy cosmetics. Right, right. And she knows how to sell them. Beside the fact that she's a genius. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, well, that's well, when we got real smart. Yeah. <laughs> You know, sometimes it takes a woman, not that I'm biased or anything, you know, but <laughs> sometimes it helps. Um, well, I, I agree. I yeah. mean, it, and it's very interesting because in the cosmetics business, if you look around, most of the companies are still run by men. I know. Which I, I find, find that weird. incomprehensible. Yeah. Yeah, it is odd. It's very yeah, odd. Because I have no no sensibility for the cosmetics business. I mean, I, like I said, I know how to sell stuff, but it, it, it really is a woman's business, and, and women understand the business better. Business better. Right, right. So, so your rosy cheeks are natural. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All, all the makeup I'm wearing presently is natural. <laughs> um, so, I know that uh, Leslie had the idea to take and put um, the product on QVC, which was at the time was a um, a shopping channel on cable. And it was new, and it, there was a lot of controversy over it being, you know, kind of a um, rinky-dink kind of a thing, and, you know, there wasn't a lot of uh, credibility. And even though people would sell a lot of products, it, it was still so um, not really readily accepted. What made you guys decide to, you know, to take the chance? Uh, Leslie called me one day and said, I... And she said, I've been having trouble sleeping. I've been staying up at night watching QVC. And I can I can do that. I can sell our product on QVC. And I said, well, why would you want to? They don't sell anything. Well, yeah. I, I, I haven't heard a late, uh, a late number, but two years ago, QVC did $5.5 billion. Oh. So they're selling something to somebody. But I didn't know that because right. I never watched it and didn't, right. didn't buy anything. And she went on there, and the first... Um, it was supposed to be for an hour, and she never got through the hour because she sold out before she got through. Mm. And she did more business in that first hour than we we were doing in a in a year in a store. Wow! So it, it didn't take the rocket scientist to figure out that, that there was something there. Right. And, she, it, and it just took off. Wow. Every time she would go on, she would sell everything that she had, and they, she she rarely got the the whole time that was allotted to her because she would sell out before before she could finish the time. Fascinating. Fascinating. Uh, yeah, because she is one, she is a terrific salesperson. Yeah. And just, uh, and, and she believed in the product and she, and it was like a party when she was on. It was fun. She had fun with the, the there are other people who were on the air plus the models and it was, and she built up a tremendous following. And and it it started to explode. And then uh, a couple of years later, she called me again and said, "Look, we need to do an infomercial. Uh, I can sell this stuff on an infomercial." And then w- once again, showing how smart I was, I said, "What? Well, nobody sells anything on an infomercial because <laughs> I never bought anything." Okay, you got to be careful about projection. Your own, yeah, there you go. Your own beliefs and values. So and so she did an infomercial, and it did it did the same thing again. It took us forever. To uh, took us over a year before we shot the infomercial because we kept looking for a celebrity spokesperson. Oh yeah, and we kept talking to all these people, and they they would hold us up for huge amounts of money oh, and a yeah, piece of the yeah. company. 
And Leslie finally said, look, this is ridiculous. I can do this. I can sell, I can go on there, and we don't need a celebrity spokesperson. I, I can go do it. And, and, and she said, but I don't want models. I just want to get oh. normal women, and we're going to do make- makeovers. And she was absolutely spot on. Oh, wow. Yeah. She, I'm telling you, she just she has a, a special genius for knowing how to sell this stuff. That's really interesting. You know, it, what occurs to me is that you were really modeling what you believe. You know, you you said you know kind of give people the resources and get out of their way, and you were doing that even though there were things that you weren't quite familiar with, but you were willing to let her do it, and she clearly was having fun. And that was also one of your principles. You know, you got to have fun. And so you were really modeling great leadership there. And then she has turned into um, an amazing leader, and she's very well respected. And, um, you know, talk a little bit about your relationship in the business, you know, as you saw her growing into a real strong leader. What was your role? Well, when she... When she first took over the company, uh, she was concerned because she'd never run anything. Mm. And I said, look, you, you take it over, and I'll be your personal consultant. I'll mm-hmm. teach you how to manage. Mm-hmm. I'll teach you how to run something. So we used to talk pretty much on a daily basis right. about how to do that. Right. And you know, and it's, it's not that hard. It's not rocket science. To, you know, and, and particularly when somebody... Uh, She's a, she's an attractive, charismatic mm-hmm. person. People mm-hmm. follow her, right? And uh, so it was fairly easy to teach her how to lead. Mm-hmm. It wasn't it wasn't that hard. Mm-hmm. And, and for me, I, I believe very strongly that best predictor of future behavior is past behavior. Well, she's she's successful. She's been successful in everything she's done, and she has an innate sense of what will work, mm-hmm. and particularly mm-hmm. in the business she's in. Mm-hmm. She really knows how to do it, mm-hmm. so so it was easy to let her to get out of her way. Right. I mean, right. after a while, I didn't care what she said. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever she wanted to do was okay with me, whether I understood it or not. <laughs> just nod your head. Yes, please, just go do it. <laughs> that's exactly right. I mean, as a manager, you know that that's not that's not the hardest. It, it's a hard style to understand once you can get your ego out of it. It's right. very, very simple. Right, right, yeah. Well, you know, um, I'm curious to know um, kind of how things have moved forward for you because what you did with her is essentially how you have now crafted your own business and, and your own contribution to um, to life on this planet. And um, I'm going to learn we're going to learn more about that when we come back right after this break. Talk about his money. Call us toll-free, 866-472-5790, and talk to the experts. We talk money all the time. Voice America Business. Leadership is not static. It evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. That's www.alexsaconsulting.com. Alexa 
Consulting, developing leaders worldwide. Why is Pepsi cooler than Coke? Why are iPods so popular? In 2005, how can you launch a successful brand? Want to know? Learn about the fascinating and intriguing world of graphic design and branding on Design Matters with Debbie Millman. Every Friday at 12 Pacific Standard Time, Debbie Millman will provide you with a provocative look into the stimulating world of design as it intersects with contemporary culture. Hear what the experts have to say about creating, maintaining, and launching a brand in today's challenging marketplace. Join us every Friday at 12 Pacific Standard Time for Design Matters with Debbie Millman. Right here on the bottom line in business talk, Voice America Business. talk about his money call us toll free 866-472-5790 and talk to the experts we talk money all the time voice america business we appreciate you joining our leading conversations today if you would like to participate in today's conversation please call us now at 1-866-472-5790 that's 1-866-472-5790 now back to your host cheryl and we're speaking with Barry Berkman today, who went from rock and roll CEO to a very successful business person in his own right and uh, has grown many businesses to success and has made a lot of money, and we all like that, and um, has done it while being nice and not being cutthroat and believing that you can do well by other people and still be successful. Barry, why do you think that this still seems like um, an anomaly? You know, why does this? Why is that even getting press? Because we we are we hear too much that you got to be a jerk to be a successful business person, mm-hmm. and and we and we watch programs with somebody with with somebody saying you're fired and think that's funny, right? You know, or think that's that's a neat thing and. And the, the most successful television program um, is a program where people literally beat up uh, aspiring artists, and everybody laughs at that. I've been in that position before to have to tell somebody mm. who uh, who has spent their lives trying to be a recording artist that it's probably not going to happen. Yeah. And believe me, that is not funny. Right. It's not any fun. Right. Are you talking about American Idol? I am. Yeah, I am. Yeah. That's why I don't watch it. Yeah, yeah. Because I can't stand what, yeah. what they do. Yeah, it's kind of painful. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah and, and, you know, that really is counter to your philosophy of how, you know, people are basically good and you can help them find the good in themselves. Um, That's so, been a, it's been my experience. I mean, it's not just something, something I think. It, it really does work. yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I like that that you say that. You know, I I read that you said, um, you know, I'm not going to tell people to go love your neighbor just because it's the right thing to do. Uh, and you know, yeah, it's right, but it also works. And um, you know, uh, you you show this in the record bar. You know, you show this with bare essentials. Um, how are you using that with um, the clients that you have these days? Because I know you have your own consulting practice where, you know, just like you worked with Leslie to teach her how to run the business as a strong leader, um, you know, you're doing that today with, with many other clients. Um, 
what, what's a, uh, you don't have to name names, but, you know, do you have a story that um, you can share with us that, you know, where you really saw uh, some light bulb go on with somebody? Yeah, well, with my clients, what I've, what I've tried to get, get them to do is, is treat their customers and treat their employees uh, with respect and caring and love, mm-hmm. love them. And my experience is if you do that, that it comes back to you. Right. Employees work hard. If you've got a good idea, they make right. they execute the idea, and it, it makes that work. Right. And then, and and customers understand it too. They get it. Right. Because right. It, it it all comes comes through, and it comes around. What come what goes around comes around. Right. Right. And uh, Bob Fuller said, uh, "Treat the universe in an ethical manner, and it'll mm-hmm. take care of you." And I, that that's been my experience. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I I've written a book. It's called uh, We'll Get Rich a Few Days Later, which is something I said in business a lot. If we couldn't do it ethically, honestly, and lovingly, let's not do it. We'll get rich a few days later. I love that title. Yeah. So where is that book? Well, hopefully it's going to get published. I'm looking for looking for a publisher right now. Uh-huh. Oh, very cool. So, so you must, in that book, um, have... Some of the basics, obviously, you know, treat people well. Um, what are a couple of other tips that you would have for people? Well, you, you got to think in the long term. Mm. That that's the. Um, that's I've been an overnight sensation twice. The first time it took <laughs> me about twenty-five years, and the second time it took me fourteen years. Oh boy! So uh, my my experience of of a lot of young people today. Is that they're looking for a, a fast win, right? Something that'll take a year or two. If, right. it, if if it hasn't happened in three years, there's something really wrong. Right. Well, right. that is not my experience at all. It take it takes time. It takes hard work. I mean, you know, all those cliched things. You got to be smart. That that that's what I've seen. Right. So that that is treat people well. Take the time. And I and I have this this theory. It's the theory of hanging around. You got to hang around. So so when something really good happens, you're there. So um, in in hanging around takes a while. You got to be around for a you while. You got to be around. But how do you reconcile that in today's day and age? You know, I mean, you've got um, the pressure to perform, to hit the numbers, to you know make the stockholders whole. Um, and you know, it seems like our our capitalist system doesn't have patience. It's a system doesn't support what you're talking about. Who's so, the most successful um, investor in the country? Who, who's, who's the one one man everybody always looks at? Warren Buffett? Warren Buffett, yeah. Look at his, look at his theories. Look at what the guy thinks. He uh, buys good companies and he yeah. sits with them. Right, right. So, right. so it... You know, it seems to me that a lot of people are using the wrong model. Huh. If a guy like Buffett can be the most successful investor in the United States, right? Which, when the last time we had a bubble before the president bubble, uh, I knew we were in trouble when they started to say Warren Buffett was stupid and he didn't know what he was doing. You know? And then, uh-huh. then the next thing was, and uh, and earnings don't count. That's right. That's yeah, why right, I knew because... we were in big trouble. Because he didn't invest heavily in techs, right? In exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah that's why yeah. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Turned out, turned out he was smart and they weren't. It worked out for him. <laughs> yeah, and that's, but it's it's such a great style, and it's a, it's a terrific idea. Yeah, 
I mean, he's my hero. He's wonderful. Oh, that's great. Have you ever met him? No. Oh, God, I'd love to. Well, put him on your list. You know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and when you when you do, tell him to call me and I'll interview him. <laughs> 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 oh, God. Well, you know, um, I, I I hear in you such a, a gracious, generous heart. And, and what I know is that, you know, just like you said, if you hang around long enough, the good stuff happens, um, that the world needs what you have and your willingness to put yourself out there and, and stake your claim, essentially, you know, kind of drawing the line in the sand and saying this is what has to happen and um, standing your ground in that, even that in itself, you know, it takes courage. I think I really do believe that in in today's day and age, it takes courage to say what you believe and then hold to it, and that is um, demonstrating real leadership. I mean, you really show up as a leader in many ways, not just when you lead a company. And um, you know, do do you get the kind of response that you would like to get? You know, I mean, do people say, "Oh, Barry, you know, how nice for you," you know, or do well, they? What you know, I'm 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 going out making speeches now, and somebody asked me, "Well, who do you want to speak to?" Well, I want to. I said, "I'll speak to anybody. I want to speak to everybody hmm. because uh, it, it's a message that I think a lot of people need to hear." But I keep waiting. Um, you know, I figure if I talk to enough people, I'm certainly going to piss off a bunch of them, <laughs> and, and I'll get in fights and stuff. But. But so far, that really hasn't happened. Uh-huh. Now, when I used to talk at the business schools, this is a few years ago, uh, I used to get a lot of stuff from, from kids who said, you know, that nobody wants to be an entrepreneur. Uh, nobody wants to be nice. It, it, but wow. that's, that's not happening as much in right. business schools today. I think there might be a sea change. Maybe uh-huh. something really is, ha- is going on. Wow. Maybe, maybe we're going to get be nicer to each other. I don't know. Well, you know, uh, we we can only hope, right? You know, I would, I, I'm hoping. We've gone I think you've got to so be optimistic. Well, you have to be optimistic. We well, have to be optimistic in business. You can't be a pessimist and then you know be successful in business. And not if you're going to be an entrepreneur. That's right, that's for sure. Absolutely. Well, Barry, it's um, it's been a delight having you here this morning. We're coming to the end of our segment. And, um, you know, I appreciate the lessons that you passed along and wish you very well on the book. Um, tell us again what the title of the book will be. We'll get rich a few days later. We'll get rich a few days later. And look at what happened to you. It worked. It did work. It worked. So thanks again, Barry. And where's your? what's your website if people want to it's contact www. you? It's www.barrybergman.com, and it's Barry, B-A-R-R-I-E. Great. Barrybergman.com. And uh, people can go to the website and download the show um, later today, tonight, actually, and tomorrow, and it'll stay in the archives. So, Barry, thanks again, and remember, everybody, to think big because the world should be a better place because of a conversation that matters. This is Cheryl Esposito.
Thank you for spending this hour with Cheryl Esposito and Leading Conversations. You can listen live every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you have a question or comment for Cheryl, please email her at leadingconversations at alexaconsulting.com. That's L-E-A-D-I-N-G-C-O-N-V-E-R-S-A-T-I-O-N-S at A-L-E-X-S-A-C-O-N-S-U-L-T-I-N-G.com. See you next week. The bottom line in business. Voice America Business. Are you paying too much for term life insurance? There's a price war among the major term life carriers. Consider these possible rates. A man age 45, non-tobacco user, could obtain $1 million of coverage for as little as $75 a month. And this rate is fixed for the next 10 years. We specialize in policies of $500,000 and above. A man age 50, non-tobacco user, may be able to obtain $500,000 thousand dollars of coverage for as little as 115 dollars per month and this rate is fixed for the next 20 years that's right guaranteed not to change for 20 years we have great rates for smokers too for new or replacement term life insurance call the term lifeline now 800-890-5075 800-890-5075 that's 800-890-5075 You hear business show after business show all geared towards improving a company's bottom line. But what about your bottom line? How come no one ever talks about that? Finally, a show dedicated to the worker. The Crow Show with Paul McLaughlin, the work wonk. Heard every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific time, the Crow Show is aimed specifically at the worker and their environment. From work skills and technology to dealing with bosses and coworkers, the Crow Show will give you insight on how to survive and prosper in today's workplace. The Crow Show with Paul McLaughlin, the work wonk. Heard every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific time, right here on the bottom line of business talk, Voice America Business. Leadership is a destination, but how do you get there? More importantly, how do you maximize your power and influence and develop more leaders in your organization? Learn from proven leaders and proven practices. Join Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler for Leadership Development News. This program will help you develop the next leaders in your organization, balance your work life, manage your boss, and manage yourself. We'll feature cutting-edge interviews with industry experts and authors. Leadership Development News, every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, on The Voice America business channel why is pepsi cooler than coke why are ipods so popular in 2005 how can you launch a successful brand want to know learn about the fascinating and intriguing world of graphic design and branding on design matters with debbie millman every friday at 12 pacific standard time debbie millman will provide you with a provocative look into the stimulating world of design as it intersects with contemporary culture Hear what the experts have to say about creating, maintaining, and launching a brand in today's challenging marketplace. Join us every Friday at 12 Pacific Standard Time for Design Matters with Debbie Millman. Right here on the bottom line in business talk, Voice America Business. You hear business show after business show all geared towards improving a company's bottom line. But what about your bottom line? 
How come no one ever talks about that? Finally, a show dedicated to the worker. The Crow Show with Paul McLaughlin, the work wonk. Heard every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific time, the Crow Show is aimed specifically at the worker and their environment. From work skills and technology to dealing with bosses and coworkers, the Crow Show